Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. Mike, we are staying in the corner tonight. Let's get going. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Listeners. 
Uh, we're also, like I said, streaming live on FSC.FM. That's the Fantasy Sports Channel. Thanks to the guys Mark Ronick and the crew over there at Fantasy Sports Channel. They are bringing fantasy sports to the nation 24 hours a day, seven days a week here on the Internet. Uh, all my tweeple on Twitter uh, this follow Friday. We've got Shane Hallam, Fantasy Taz, Matt Shaw, Thundering Blurb, The Audible, Marty2634. The list goes on and on, all of the the Twitter following really keeps you up to date, Mike, with all the news and information. But there was nothing bigger, Mike, than uh, the LeBron story, the LeBron James announcement, the decision yes. last night. The, the fact that he was able to gut punch the Cleveland Cavalier organization on a full show for an hour, it really just blows my mind. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, you know, this thing has been, it's in, been a process for, I would say, two years. Uh, when the Olympics... Uh, when that was going down uh, with Chris Bosh, uh, LeBron, and uh, Dwayne Wade, they knew what was going down in 2010. And the mastermind behind it all, in my opinion, now I could be totally off base on this, but the mastermind behind this was Pat Riley. Pat Riley knew what was going on, and, uh, you know, when Chris Bosh came on board, then it was like, oh, well, you know, what does LeBron James do? Uh, this thing has been set in motion for quite some time. And uh, I hate to see uh, LeBron leave Cleveland, but uh, he wants to do what he needs to do. And uh, But this thing this thing didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in the last month, in my opinion. It happened a long time ago. Yeah, it sounds like this, uh, this was a collaborative plan, an idea that was hatched uh, with LeBron and Dwayne and Boss. These guys were... These guys were rated, what, 1, 4, and 5, not to get into a lot of fantasy basketball, but since we do cover, uh, you know, um, a little bit of everything here on Red versus Blue, it's pertinent uh, discussion to talk about. I mean, it was a huge story. I just don't know if I could ever see Michael Jordan uh, ever, and this is who he's always been compared to and held up to. Maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe that's unfair to LeBron, but, look, he, he's, in that, he's in that bed with, uh, you know, with that comparison. So I just don't see Michael Jordan – Going to join a talented cast, you, you would seem like if anything was going to happen, you would be able to recruit the talent to your city. So if this was, if this were to happen, right. why? I mean, Dwayne Wade's a free agent. Why not let well, Dwayne Wade come to Cleveland and you get to accomplish the best of both worlds? I can see why Cleveland's owners are a little disgusted. We'll see. We'll see what happens. No, now, now I can too to a bit though, Scott. Uh, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta understand. LeBron James has been there seven years. Seven years he's been in Cleveland, and they've been trying to give him help. Help has been uh, Antoine Jameson. Help has been uh, Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, that's not help. Uh, but then again, on the other side of it, Michael Jordan got help in Scottie Pippen. When Scottie Pippen, his first year in Chicago, let's face it, he was raw. I mean, he was very, you know, very green. But Michael Jordan made Scottie Pippen. I don't care what anybody says. Michael Jordan made Scottie Pippen a better player. So the players that Cleveland brought in, LeBron had the chance to make them better and better. But it just didn't happen that way. So after seven years, he says, well, i got to move on. So do you think Shaq comes to South Beach and, and rides that train as well? Uh, well, you know what? Uh, I don't think Pat Riley's going to let that happen because Pat Riley sees something right now because Pat Riley is a very smart guy. He is the president of that team, 
He sees something, what he's got going right now. He does not want to bring in a guy like Shaquille O'Neal that is going to just deviate even more from what they have. Uh, Dwayne Wade, he, he, he lays under the radar. Let's face it, he does. Uh, so does Chris Bosh. Uh, LeBron James is over the radar. So, uh, you know, why bring in another guy that's over the radar? Let's, you know, he's thinking, let's just let, these, let this happen. Uh, maybe a Kendrick per- Perkins from uh, Boston. Well, they're going to have to bring in some size, and then they're going to have to bring in some uh, some shooting, a little bit of a shooting element. And I can imagine guys are going to come in for uh, for, for the but minimum I, there just to, just to play I, with I, those I will guys. Say this before, I will say this before we move on. Uh, after after this next year, there's going to be a point guard that they're going to be looking for that's going to be a free agent, and that would be uh, Rajon Rondo. And, no, uh, Rondo they'll, never, they'll never be able to afford him. They'll never be able to afford him. Yes, they will. You, you've got you've got way too much space already uh, occupied with those three. You're just gonna have to take league minimum guys from here on out. I mean that's the only way this thing works, right? I mean, so but listen, listen, I don't want to get too carried away, but it is. I mean, look, I, I could talk about these guys all, all night long. To be honest with you, I won't. But I mean, look at the look at the matchup. I don't know if they're head and shoulders ready to ready to just take down LA. LA has a great supporting cast. Now you you match up Kobe, uh, Kobe yep. and LeBron, right? You you match up. Um, uh, Gasol with Bosch, okay, that's a that's a powerful matchup right there. And then you've got our test for Dwayne Wade, plus all the other Lakers guys. It's not a done deal that they're gonna win the win this win the whole thing. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not a done deal at all that they're gonna win anything. You know, it's this uh, power thing that they put together, uh, this uh, conglomeration. But uh, you know, the team to beat is still the Lakers as long as the Lakers uh, sign Derek Fisher. Well, I'm hearing it in the chat room. It is football time. Let's move on, Mike. I'm not going to spend any time on uh, Jamarcus Russell either. Getting arrested this week is not really newsworthy. But let's go ahead and put you on the record, Mike. Who's the bigger bust of all time, Ryan Leaf or Jamarcus Russell? To me, it's a dead heat. Woo, boy. Um, I would say it would be – I still say it's Ryan Leaf. Man, oh, man, it's just gotten so bad there for those Oakland fans. I feel so sorry for the Raider faithful, the, the, you know, the the diehard Raider fans who stick it out every year, wear the gear, buy the tickets, and then to have this, you know, okay, it's Al Davis here. He's the root of of all evil in this thing, and and maybe they get it turned around. Jason Campbell is an athletic quarterback who does have a a better arm than what they've seen in a while, you know. Uh, they had a great quarterback in Rich Gannon, and that was the year they went to the Super Bowl. But since then, they've had nothing to speak of. Uh, you give them a couple of running backs, you give them a couple of wideouts, and hopefully can catch the ball this year. Maybe that defense can catch. Maybe, is that a defense that's up for, the, for, for grabs? I mean, San Diego's not really the, well, the dominant picture we've seen in the past. All right, well, let me, let me, ask, you, let me ask you this question, Scott. Uh, who is the biggest bust? Ryan Leaf, Jamarcus Russell? Or Tim Couch. Hmm. Mm. Let's put let's put Timmy Couch in that discussion. <laughs> we'll pose that question to our guest. Why tonight. not? Uh, I mean, the, let's face it. The only reason he's not in that discussion is because he didn't have any off-field annex. Yeah. Let's move on. We've got Darrell Revis uh, announcing that he. It sounds like they are going to be willing to hold out well into August for this situation, like. I just want to bring up Darrell Revis just for, for one, one, one fantasy-relevant reason. 
as high-stakes fantasy players, our playoff weeks a lot of times happen week 12, week 13. Uh, these, are the, these are the very important weeks that you have to watch, week 12, week 13. And then week 14, when you get into the playoffs, that's when it really counts. That's why you're paying these league fees. You're paying out these entry fees, not for the league payout percentage, Mike. You're paying out the league fees and uh, and playing in these high stage games for the chance, for the chance to win in those playoff uh, in the playoff contest at the end, the, the championship bracket. But to get there, you've got to win your championship game, and, and usually the championship game is a two week effort. I, I know in the FFPC and the World Championship, it is the na- the, the national uh, fantasy football championship a little bit different. But, but week 12, if you have, if Darrell Revis is playing and he's not holding out, which we don't expect him to, you've got to be very careful about drafting a couple of guys. And, and why I bring that up is you might spend a very early pick on your wide receiver, and if he's shut, and, and if, if they're playing the Jets that week and Darrell Revis is on, you can expect a goose egg, right? I mean, you can expect a very low performance. And, and I think last year proved that, Mike. Week 12, the New York Jets play the Cincinnati Bengals. So if you're thinking about drafting Ocho, just realize that week 12, you've got to play Darrell Revis. Week 13 is the Jets are taking on the New England Patriots. Now, you might think, you know, no big deal, but he shut down Randy Moss in both occasions. I know he got a, a late touchdown there in one of those games, but it was basically a two-catch game and a one-catch game. Randy Moss, maybe not so much you want to go after if you need to win week 13 against Darrell Revis. Then week 14 – the new acquisition in Miami, Brandon Marshall, uh, again, very tough matchup. Um, if you're playing Darrell Revis and you have your first wide receiver, you hate the, the fact like, that you have to sit that guy and start one of your bench guys in the most important week of the season. Right. You know, and it's a tough situation to uh, to deal with, but, uh, you know, you might have to. But then again, uh, you know, I've seen uh, I've seen holdouts and holdouts and holdouts. Uh, we've all seen them. Uh, you know, it's going to last for you know forever. And what what normally happens with holdouts is even if they come back in week two, three, week four, they're ready. I mean, I, I'm sorry, but they're ready. They're ready to go. I mean, like uh, Michael Crabtree, for instance. I mean, he was uh, you know he was pretty much ready to go. Just be aware of those situations, Mike. That's all I'm saying. Week 12, 13, and 14 with Darrell Revis. There was a big announcement today out of Ray Rice's camp, Mike. Ray Rice has now joined forces with Roster.com, one of our people on Twitter. Uh, looks like he's getting into on some of this high-stakes fantasy action. It's always nice to see an NFL player get involved and, and recognize fantasy football as a relevant force, Mike. And it looks like he's the advertising face this year. For roster.com. Now, you'll know those guys from the Roto Bowl competition. Roto Bowl 6 is starting up this year, and uh, he looks like he's the advertising face of this event. And, and, you know, you couldn't get a bigger name right now for fantasy players than Ray Rice after the season he had last year, Mike. So it's, it's just neat to keep an eye on the industry and our, and our good friends uh, at Twitter and then Fantasy Sports Business, Matt Schaaf and those guys. They help uh, keep, keep us informed of the industry as well as the guys at the Fantasy Players Association, and, and we know all about that. You can reach us there as well at info at fantasyplayersassociation.com. Well, Scott, uh, you know, Mike, yeah, go ahead. As, far, as far as I know, uh, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these uh, NFL players, they, they keep up. They keep up, and uh, I guarantee you they're in uh, different leagues. You know, it might just be a goofy league for themselves, between themselves, but uh, they keep up. They know. 
Mike, we're going to get ready to span the globe here. We're going to go ahead and get started uh, with really? our Spanning the Globe segment. We've got plenty of other topics we do want to talk about. We're going to, bring, we're going to talk about Wes Welker possibly not starting the season on the puck. We're going to talk about a little bit about that Sydney Rice information, nothing really to note there. And we're going to talk about a few other things in the hiking world. But we're going to jump right to it and get down and dirty with Spanning the Globe on Red vs. Blue. We're starting off. With John Scott, our guest contributor from Football Guys, live from South Beach, going to talk about some Dolphins. Sean, you got anything going on down that way that's, uh, that's sports relevant? Well, I'll tell you, Scott, you know, it's nice to actually get a break from the heat and, and uh, LeBron and, and all this, you know, Dwayne Wade and, and Chris Bosh. I mean, uh, it's just been wall-to-wall coverage down here, and obviously we're we're excited about the the economic prospects for this area with the three of them coming here and, and Wade signing back. But, uh, yeah, I'm a football fan through and through, and, uh, you know, it's nice that we're going to have a nice basketball team, but I, I'm still ready for the football season to start. I'm ready to see these Dolphins hit the field, you know. And uh, well, make no mistake, Miami is still a football town. That's good to know. Miami uh, has a rich tradition, and they made a big splash this year, Sean. With the acquisition of Brandon Marshall, here's a 100-catch guy from Denver, uh, 1,100 yards, 10 touchdowns last year. What exactly does the Brandon Marshall, uh, what does he mean to that franchise and to the development of Chad Henning? Well, that's a great question, Scott. I'm glad you asked that. Uh, you know, Marshall's coming here, obviously, and he's got uh, a big pedigree that comes along with him. And I know a lot of the uh, – you know, people out there will draft him in the first couple of rounds, you know, probably gone by the 2-3 turn in most drafts. Um, and, I, you know, he is going to help with the development of Chad Henney. But I think that fans and fantasy football owners uh, need to temper the enthusiasm just a little bit. And uh, we can get into this, and I, I can give you an explanation as to why. Um, first of all, when you look at Miami, uh, people need to realize that the front seven on their defense – is pretty weak now. Uh, you know, they've got uh, the rookie, Jared Odrick, that's coming in, but uh, they've got Ferguson, their defensive tackle, who's suspended for eight games. Philip Merling, unfortunately, uh, went and, you know, uh, did something you're not supposed to do. He, he uh, beat up a pregnant girlfriend, and he's probably going to get suspended by Roger Goodell whenever he gets around to it. Uh, uh, Starks is going to roll over to defensive tackle to start the season, and there's really just not a lot of depth. And where I'm going with this is the front seven – is really in shambles. Uh, the outside linebacker positions have been vacated by Joey Porter and Jason Taylor. Uh, right now we've got, uh, you know, guys by the name of Cameron Wake and uh, rookie Koa Misi. And so even though the inside linebackers are strong with, with Crowder and, and uh, the acquisition of Dansby, this front seven is not a premier front seven right now in the NFL. Now, the reason I bring that up is because Miami's not stupid. The, uh, the coaching staff is smart. You've got Bill Parcells over there. They're going to want to control the clock on offense. If anybody watched the game against your uh, – well, they're not really your team, but you know, against the Colts uh, last, last year, Monday Night Football, you, you know, they know that Miami wants to control the clock. That's how they go into the game, and they have a good dynamic uh, offensive line. The interior of that offensive line has been upgraded with Richie Incognito. Donald Thomas is going to roll over to left guard. And they've actually got a battle brewing between Jake uh, Grove and uh, Joe Berger, who came over from Dallas about a year ago. Uh, when Joe Berger filled in for Grove, who's missed uh, about 24 games the last three years between Oakland and Miami, uh, he gave up no sacks, no penalties, while he filled in for 
uh, Jake Grove. So they have a real battle on their hands in camp, which is wonderful because it's going to create this dynamic interior of the offensive line, and they've already got bookend tackles with Jake Long and Vernon Carey. So uh, they're going to try to control the clock. Now, when you try to control the clock, that does not mean you're going to throw the ball a lot. And so I think people need to temper their enthusiasm on Marshall. I have him projected for somewhere between maybe 80 and 85 catches. 90 would be the top side, I think. Well, uh, hey, Sean, this is Mike. Uh, hey, Mike. You know, and that makes a, you know, you're making a, it makes sense, really. Uh, but uh, do they have the running game to do that? Uh, you know, obviously the, the offensive line is uh, pretty solidified, like you said. Uh, but do they have the running game to, uh, you know, to make things happen with with that uh, with that offensive line? And uh, is there going to be any more wildcat, or is the wildcat pretty much uh, seen its day? You know, Mike, that's another terrific question, and I'm going to address that by this: Ricky Williams last year, on average, scored about 15 and a half points per game. Ronnie Brown, very similar numbers, about 15 and a half, 15.7, if you want to split hairs. And the point is, is you know, Ronnie's going in the middle of the fifth round. Ricky's going in the middle to the end of the seventh round. You can get this tandem for peanuts compared to what it would cost you to get. And both of them, by the way, if you run any chart and you look at that average points per game, they both hit the top ten. I think Ronnie was eighth. Ricky was tenth. Now, that's huge when you're looking at the value of these players. And as far as your question about the Wildcat, that absolutely is in the playbook. It's not going anywhere. They they, pardon me, they invented the Wildcat. The other teams have copied their, their uh, formula for doing it, and, but nobody runs it better than Ronnie Brown. He's just a, it's just a natural thing for him to do it. Uh, they love the play where they run Ricky wide while the, Ronnie takes a direct snap. And these plays are not going to go away, especially when you're, they're trying to run the ball and control the clock and keep that defense off the field. If they don't keep the defense off the field, you know, they're not going to win six games this year. So the idea is to control the clock. And I don't think owners can go wrong by grabbing at least one of those two pieces. Now, Ronnie has not you know, been a bill of health. He's coming back from a Liz Frank. Ricky's going to be 32, 33 years old this year. Uh, they even have another running back behind those two, Patrick Cobbs, who's going to be coming off injury, and people might want to just keep an eye on him. Uh, he doesn't have huge numbers, but when he's been on the field uh, in 2008, he was really good when he was out there. Just in a part-time role, he had about 20 catches, uh, and, and I think he scored a couple of touchdowns as well. So uh, they do have the ground game to do it, Mike. Okay. I'm a little worried. I'm a, I'm a little worried. It's amazing to me, first of all, with Ricky Williams, like you said, 33 years of age. But this guy, I don't know if it's the yoga, but 240 carries, 1,100 yards, averaging 4.7 yards per carry, 11 touchdowns. He's never looked better, right? And it's 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 been a decade, uh, or, or I think it's been uh, Emmett Smith, Peyton, Walter Payton, and Otis Anderson. In the last 25 years, there's never been a back. Uh, at that age, to rush for over a thousand yards, except for those guys, he, he joined an exclusive club last year. Is what I'm saying. And to, to, when I'm looking at the ADP, though, uh, this is my concern. My concern is I could get a here, here are the guys. Uh, I don't have to go with a 33 year old. I can get a Fred Jackson, a CJ Spiller, a Caddy, or a Hardesty. Um, does does Ricky stand out from that crowd? Well, I think he does because of the fact that he's done it. The guys that you're listing there, Hardesty, and what were the other guys that you mentioned? Uh, 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 it looks like Fred Jackson, Spiller, Patty. Okay, well, let's look at Fred Jackson and, you know, and, and a couple of those other guys. 
I mean, Fred Jackson is no uh, spring chicken either. I think he's 29, uh, maybe 30. Uh, you know, I'd have to yeah. look at the age thing there, but I think he's getting up there. And they've brought in C.J. Spiller, drafted him ninth overall. You have to think that they're going to try to incorporate him into the offense. So I, I really don't think Fred Jackson is going to be able to duplicate what he's been doing. Um, and as far as what Ricky's done, I, I agree with you that he's getting into some uncharted territory. But we also have to realize that he had, you know, four or five years, maybe six in there where – you know, he just wasn't, didn't play much, wasn't used, went off to Asia, came back, you know, did some traveling, came back. Uh, you know, this, this guy doesn't have the wear and tear uh, quite, you know, of an LT or, or some of the other backs that are getting up there in age, Thomas Jones. You know, he hasn't had 300-plus carries, let's say, four or five years in a row, and now he's 32, 33 years old. Uh, I don't think that he can withstand – going another 250, 300 carries, you know, something like that. I don't think he can withstand that. Uh, but, I mean, if you're in a best ball league, for instance, and you can get these guys as a team, you know, between the fifth and the seventh round, I wouldn't hesitate to pull the trigger on them. Well, Sean, let me ask, let, let me ask one real quick question. Uh, you know, I, I, I truly believe that because uh, I got some friends that are big Miami fans and uh, – if uh, if you're able to solidify the Wildcats, solidify some kind of running game, uh, are you comfortable with uh, Henny to Marshall? And then who's after Marshall? Okay, good question. You know, Marshall definitely. Uh, I think that they'll get on the same page with Henny pretty quickly. I mean, Henny actually has some highlights, and uh, your fans can uh, you know check out YouTube and, and just type in Henny. And, and type in uh, uh, Teddy Ginn, and there's some highlights on there that you'll see that are pretty uh, breathtaking uh, when they were able to connect and when, you know, when uh, Ginn was actually able to run the ball. And, you know, Marshall, I know people look at his stats and they doesn't scream, you know, long ball, but I just think, you know, a guy like Kenny who does throw the long ball real well, he's got a big arm, uh, and, you know, Marshall a couple years ago when he first started working with Cutler was catching more long balls. I think the offense dictated that he had to catch a few more short passes. Uh, you know, I think there will be room in there for a few bombs, and I think that he's the guy that's going to be called on to do that. Uh, the other guys after that, we've got kind of a mismatch at wide receiver. The guy I would like to highlight, though, is Brian Hartline. This is a second-year guy coming out of Ohio State. He's got great hands like glue. Uh, and if you look at last year and you take in a few weeks, uh, let's just take weeks 12 through 17. Now, remember, he was a rookie, so most rookies don't, you know, do great. Uh, the first six, seven, eight weeks of their career. Those that are taking Des Bryant in the fifth round might want to heed my advice here. Uh, you know, and you're looking at a rookie, weeks 12 through 17, he was 36th overall in PPR leagues. Now, if you're in a 12-team league, he's borderline starter. Uh, at 36, mm-hmm. he's, a, you know, he's, a, he's a borderline starter. Uh, I think he's got good size, good hands, and I think he will take over as a second wide receiver lined up wide. Now, as I say that, they're still going to probably – uh, let the camp work that out with Greg Camarillo. But I think those are the two that are up for the, the uh, second wide receiver slot on the far side. The, for, as far as the slot receiver goes, Devon Bess is a natural fit for that, and he's going to slide over into the slot position. Okay, cool, cool. That's, that's what I'm looking for. And, uh, you know, Sean, I, I really appreciate that because, uh, you know, as far as the uh, Miami receivers, uh, that's that's what I'm looking at, and uh, because I know Chad Henney, he can throw the ball. And other than Brandon Marshall, uh, I knew that we had Bess and Hartline, but uh, Hartline might be a he might be a little surprise this year for you. Yeah, there's no way he's fantasy relevant. 
What did you just say, Scott? I really don't. I really don't see how he could possibly be fantasy relevant. Maybe a spot start if you had an injury to Marshall or something, you know. But you, there's not enough balls to go around there in that offense, like you said earlier. It's a ball control offense. I'm already debating now on what you said, Sean. I, I can't take Marshall over Roddy White and over no. Greg Jennings. There's, no. And, and his ADP, his ADP is he is going in front of those guys. So that's got to come way down. Right. I agree, Scott. I think that, you know, every year we see receivers who, you know, for whatever reason don't live up to quite where they're supposed to be drafted, and you say, wow, he went three or four rounds ahead of where he should go. And I, I think Marshall's a candidate for that. I, I know he's got a, a big pedigree. He's coming off the three 100-catch seasons in a row. But trust me, Denver is not Miami. <laughs> and uh, these guys like to run the football, and I think there is a max of what they can see. And, I, again, I know the fans out there, I know they see Devon Betts had, you know, I think about 70 catches last year, and they're going to say, well, how come Marshall can't improve on that? What they have to realize is there really was nothing at wide receiver. I mean, really nothing there. Hartline was a rookie. Other guys like Patrick Turner hadn't developed yet. I mean, and Camarillo was injured. I mean, they just had nothing at wide receiver. It was the worst wide receiving crew in the entire league. So Marshall coming in will establish a, a lot of receptions, but I just think that the window's a little bit more in the 80 to 90 range. And he'll still do a lot of damage, but, but somewhere in there uh, would be the max, I would think, with him. Uh, but as far as Hartline goes, though, I would like to say Sean, that, you Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think that Marshall – uh, you know, will help elevate this guy, some of these guys' games. And, and you will see Hartline occasionally hit the box score uh, with decent numbers. That's my opinion. But Good stuff. Always uh, Sean Scott, our guest contributor from Football Guys, breaking down the Dolphins. Sean, you keep making it happen down there in South Beach. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, Scott. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, Mike. Bye-bye. And that is, uh, Mike, that is Mop from the Football Guy message board, one of the guest contributors, uh, one of the one of the big time uh, analysts there over at Football Guys really produces produces some great great content. Love uh, love hearing his take on those Dolphins. Let's move on. We've got to span the globe. We've got to keep it rolling. We're moving on to our our guest resident expert here for the Chicago Bears now, Mike Santos, out of Tulare, California, big time Chicago Bear follower. Uh, Mike has placed in the championship game in the world championship of fantasy football four consecutive years i don't know anybody else that has that crown mike let's talk about the bears mike march comes into town what does that mean for jay cutler well i think that's definitely good news for jay cutler in the passing game um mike march you know he's known for throwing the ball around over the last eight years he's been the coordinator over his tenure his passing game is ranked in the top ten in passing attempts over those uh, eight years he's had running those offenses. I think with Cutler, he's got a lot of talent. He's got a big arm. Um, so far, they've been working well together, and there's been glowing reports out of the OTAs saying that he's picking up the system real well. And uh, he's been talking about the receivers, saying that he thinks he has the receivers that he needs to succeed in that offense. I think Jay Cutler has probably the most upside of any quarterback this year. He's being drafted around the seventh round, ADP-wise, around 7-1, middle of seventh round. Sometimes if a guy likes him, they'll go get him in the sixth round. But I think he's got absolute upside uh, with March working with him. Um, he's got a lot of talent. He's a smart kid. I mean, I think I think the sky's the limit for him. We just have to watch out for that O-line and make sure they give him enough time to throw the ball. Hey, Mike. Uh, this is Mike. Hope your baseball team's doing well. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, <laughs> The one the one question I have to ask is, uh, you know, the, the Bears, uh, 
I think Jay Cutler is going to, uh, you know, he's continuing to grow in that uh, system and everything. But let's face it, they face two of the best defenses in uh, in the NFC, in uh, Minnesota and Green Bay. Uh, you know, what's it like going against those kind of defenses uh, twice a year? Well, I tell you what, that's a good point, Mike. They do face a, a tough schedule this year. Um, you know, Green Bay and Minnesota, they are tough defenses, but I actually think it plays to the advantage of the Bears a little bit. You know, those teams can put up points, Green Bay and Minnesota, so Chicago's going to have to score to keep up. Chicago's defense is solid but not dominant like it was, so that team has to score points, and Mike Marks will push the envelope. I think that's good. I think it's good for the passing game. I think it's good for color. You know, and if they can give enough time to block, you know, I see no reason why Cutler won't throw for over 4,000 yards and roughly 30 touchdowns. The interceptions will be there in Mike's mic, in Mike Marks' offense. They always are. But he's going to throw for a lot of yards. When he was in Detroit, he had Kitna. Kitna finished as the sixth overall quarterback in 06. And in, in 07, he finished as the, as the 12th quarterback overall. And that's John Kitna. I think Jay Cutler has tons more ability. He's a younger player. I think his weapons are going to be just fine. I think these receivers they have in Chicago are, are quite a bit underrated, and not a lot of people are t- people are talking about him, but people will know about him when the season starts because I think they actually fit that scheme real well, especially Knox and Hester. They're those quick, fast-type receivers in and out of their breaks, um, and then they got the big kid, Devin Aromashadud, who's Aromish a big player. Big target for Cutler. Really came on at the end of the year. Cutler locked on to him. He spoke about him in OTA saying, you know, he could be breaking out. You know, I, I just think this offense has a lot of upside this year. Yeah, it's interesting, Mike, that uh, on Windy City Gridiron, one of the uh, fan boards for the Chicago Bears, 44% of those uh, fans think that Devin Aromashadu will get the most catches of any player on the Chicago Bear offense. Talk to us about that trio, Roma Shadu, Knox, and Hester. How do you see that shaking out, and who should we be targeting? Well, you know, I went through some numbers uh, through Mike Smart's offenses, and I, I broke down the receiver one and the receiver two catch totals throughout the years through St. Louis, through Detroit, and San Francisco. Through those years, receiver one averaged 79 catches, and receiver two averaged 64 catches. That's the last three years when he was an offensive coordinator, two with Detroit and one with San Francisco. And that year with San Francisco, they struggled. That was a bad offense. For them to put up 79 catches and 64 catches, respectively, for receiver one and two on those teams, to me that that shows that there is going to be some balls to be caught for those receivers. That's right a floor. Now, I, and what's that, Scott? That's a floor. Yeah, that's a floor. I mean, I think that's a minimum as your one – Receiver one, receiver two for Chicago. I mean, if that was done in Detroit and San Francisco, I think, like you're saying, that's the floor with a better quarterback, you know, in place with Jay Cutler. You know, if you take the St. Louis years, you had years where they were catching 117 balls, 94 balls, 91 balls, 87 balls, 82 Mm -hmm. balls. I mean, there was tons of balls going to receivers. And I see basically it shaking out as the lead guy in Chicago catching 80-plus balls, and the number two guy catching around 70 to 75. And right now, the way I have it penciled out, I see Johnny Knox and Hester as the starters right now with Aroma Shadud playing a lot in this three-receiver set. 
I, I like Knox the best. To me, he's the prototypical March receiver. He reminds me a lot of Isaac Bruce. He's a very fast player. He's a little bigger than you think. He's six foot, about 190. If you go and check out Isaac Bruce's size, that's about the exact size. Now, I'm not comparing them to Bruce, but I'm saying they're similar build, similar styles. They're quick. They're fast. I think he's going to set up nicely in March's offense. Hester, we all yeah. know about Hester's talent. He's He's been a great kick returner, and they've converted him receiver. He's struggled some, but he has shown improvement. I think he's got the ability, you know, to maybe be that number two guy there. Aroma Shadud, I know a lot of people are high on him because of last year at the end. You know, he put those big games together. I just don't know if he fits the Mike March offense, those timing routes and those quick in and out, you know, cuts. It's it's a different type of offense. But I have Knox as the lead guy right now, followed by Hester and Aroma Shadud. I know some people might have it completely the opposite, and a lot can change, but we'll have to see how it shakes out in in uh, in training camp. That you know, that's really uh, interesting, Mike, because uh, you know I've been kind of I've been kind of high on Aroma Shadu, uh but uh, Johnny Knox can't knock him uh, either, like you said. And you're close to him; you watch him uh, closer than uh, anybody else. Uh, so where does uh, where does Matt Forte and and the running game uh, can they establish the running game to set up a uh, a Johnny Knox or a uh, Aroma Shadu. Yeah, I, I think the running game is going to be slightly improved this year. Um, Forte, he played on a bummed knee last year. He injured it early on. He lacked explosiveness. Um, was very poor from goal line. He did he did catch a lot of balls last year. He did catch 57 balls, which is a lot of balls. And traditionally in Mike Marks's offense, the lead running back does catch a lot of balls. So. You know, I tend to think that Forte is going to be heavily involved in the passing game. They also brought Chester Taylor in. You know, some people are worried that Taylor, you know, could be the guy there and could take away take away from Forte, which can be true. But I think Forte is going to hold hold that job, and he's going to get the majority of the touches. You know, if we're looking at a 65-35 split, you know, I, I see Forte easily catching 50 to 60 balls in that offense. They'd they use the running backs a lot in the passing game, and Forte does catch the ball very well. Huh. Cool. A couple things I'm concerned about Forte, Mike, and I just want to bring these up to you and get your take on it. I'm seeing Forte go right around with the with the ADP that uh, the World Championship released today, uh, the PPR leagues. He's going right around pick 37, which is 4-1 uh, in draft. So you can get this guy who was a top 10 you know, running back last year in the draft down in the fourth round this year. Very high volume uh, reception back. I mean, you're talking about a ton of receptions there, like you said. Uh, but it, around that ballpark, you have to choose him over, you know, Cedric Benson, no Sean Moreno, uh, maybe a Joseph Adai. What, what do you What do you do there if you need a running back? If you started wide receiver, wide receiver, and then you're coming back. Uh, well, this is yeah, because this is this is four one. This is right there. Um, at the end, if you were a 12 pick, you might have you might have easily started wide receiver, wide receiver, and you're waiting on a running back. Is that the running back you take? Because I saw six fumbles last year. I'm a little worried about that. That's not offensive line related, right? And then the one thing I'm very afraid of were those goal line touches, Mike. 19 touches at the goal line, only two touchdowns. Yeah, he he was very poor last year. That that team's offensive line was was in shambles last year. It, it wasn't very good running the ball. They averaged. 4.0 yards per rush attempt. That was 25th mm. in the league. So they struggled big time. But, 
back to your point about Forte going around pick four one. You know, he, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would not take him as a number one. If you get him as a number two, and you feel very strongly about your two receivers and your first running back, I could live with that. I'm not in love with him this year, but I think mid to late fourth, there's some value there. I still would pull the trigger on guys like Beanie Wells, Sean Green, Pierre Thomas, uh, players like that before before Forte. You mentioned Benson. I would take Forte before before Benson, definitely. Benson's limited in the passing game, whereas Forte can rack up some receptions, and I do still think he'll be the goal line guy there, which that offense should move the ball, and he should have more opportunities, um, you know, as far as that goes. Versus a die, a die seems to be going in the fifth, you know, you can wait a little bit on a die, so that's not necessarily a spot a die goes in. But I would definitely take Forte over Benson. Um, but like I'm saying, the upside guys like Beanie Wells, Sean Green, Charles, um, I, I would tend to take those over Forte at this moment, unless I see something real good from Forte coming coming out of training camp and how they use him. Also, you haven't mentioned a lot about Chester Taylor. Is he a threat to his carry? That may, I guess you don't see him as too much of a threat to um, to what Forte is doing there. It sounded like in the off season when they brought him in. I mean, obviously there were several games there that they even went with a rookie over Forte because he was. They were just. He looked like he was playing unassertive, floppy ball, and, and it looked like it really got into his head. And, uh, but they, so they bring in Chester Taylor, a veteran, maybe to wake him up, or is that the angle? Yeah, I, I think Chester Taylor was a good sign for him. He's a veteran, you know, who, who pass blocks well. He, he catches the ball well, which is required in March's offense. Um, I don't necessarily think that he will take a lot of time away from Forte. I do think he will get a series here and there, and he will play some third downs. I do think Forte, they intend on him being the guy. Um, I just think they were looking for a veteran backup. Last year they, they really did not have a solid number two, and when Forte got banged up and was ineffective, it really shut down their, their run game, and they were sort of um, one-dimensional in the pass game, um, and it really hurt them. You know, teams teed off on Cutler. I think Forte will bounce back this year. You know, what we saw two years ago his rookie year when he was, you know, top three running back. I don't think we'll see that again. Um, but I do think, you know, he can be a top 15 running back. He does have some upside in March's offense. Kevin Jones caught a lot of balls in, his, in March's offense in Detroit. We all know about Marshall Falk and the Rams. Um, so there's balls to be caught in that offense for the running back. And I do think Taylor's a nice little cuff for Forte. You can get you can get him cheaper and later on. So I think he will see the ball a little bit, but I don't think he's going to win that job. Mike, we've also got Greg Olson to discuss here. He's a 10th round tight end this year. His stock has fallen with the arrival of Mike March. Everybody automatically assumes that he's not going to get the work in that offense, but maybe is there more here to meet the eye? I mean, is he a, is he a guy that can stretch that field and run these routes up for Mike March? You know, Mike March has typically never used his tight ends. Um, I was looking back on March's offense, and I, I did not find a tight end that had ever caught more than 40 balls. Um, so there's not history there for tight ends to do well in Mike March's offense. In San Francisco, he had a very talented tight end in Vernon Davis, and uh, he caught 31 balls there, you know, and the next year Vernon Davis blew up. So he definitely does not use uh, tight ends in the passing game. It's more of a blocking role for them. He actually has made the comment that he likes to send a receiver out instead of a tight end. If you're going to run a route, why don't I send a receiver versus a tight end? That's what he's always said, Mike March. So Olsen, to me, you know, right now he's going 
pretty late, eleventh or twelfth round. If you take him as your number two, he's got you know he's got some talent. He has the pedigree. You know maybe maybe something happens in March's offense, which hasn't happened in the past where they utilize the tight end. But I just don't see the tight end being a big factor. You know unless they get real creative and 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 change that offense around. But I, I just don't see much production for the tight end in a Mike Mars offense. It's Mike Santos, uh, our affiliate for the Chicago Bears. Uh, four consecutive league championship games in the world championship. It's unheard of. You're going for number five. And uh, I haven't heard you mention Earl Bennett at all in there. Does he, does he squeeze into that conversation in that wide receiver game? You know, Earl Bennett, he, he's out of Vanderbilt. You know, he had a little connection with Cutler in college. Um, you know, he caught, he caught roughly 50 balls last year. He, he's a decent little receiver. He's not real fast. He's not real big. He just does everything pretty solid. Right now he's sort of the fourth guy, sort of the forgotten man. He was banged up in OTAs, so he didn't get a chance to put much time in when they were implementing the offense. So I think he's a little behind the other guys right now. I, I just think the other guys might fit the offense a little better. But I will point, point out this. In a Mike Martz offense, you keep an eye on all the receivers that are rostered because no one had heard of Mike Fury the year he caught 98 balls. So if a receiver picks up the offense and Mike Martz trusts you, you will play and you will catch footballs. So right now they're saying Knox and Hester is running those starters, and that may be true. But if they don't pick up the offense and they don't do well off the bat, don't be surprised if Aroma Shadud or Earl Bennett get some time. They're, that does happen in Mark's offense. If, if you know the offense, you will play. He doesn't care about your talent. He wants you to know the offense and to be in the right spot. You know, obviously, so the, you know, obviously I think Knox and Hester are going to be fine, but you, know, you, you keep Earl Bennett in the back of your mind. You watch him. You watch for how many plays he's playing early on and if he's getting any looks, and then you'll get a better idea. But as of now, he's the fourth guy. He's sort of behind in terms of uh, picking up the offense. So, so my question, really, uh, for Chicago, a uh, wide receiver uh, four could end up being a wide receiver one and a, and a wide receiver two on your uh, fantasy league. Yeah, I mean, in, in a Mike Marks offense, like I said before, any of those receivers can emerge. And right now, it's anybody's guess. People have their favorites. Yep. I prefer not could be, right could, now. Could be Joaquin Iglesias. Who, who the hell are <laughs> Exactly. Last, last question. Last question, Mike. Jay Cutler, what's your bold prediction? How high will he finish as a quarterback? Right now, I think Cutler has the potential. I don't know how bold this is. Some guys may feel this way. Some may not. I, I think if everything goes as planned, he should be a top-five quarterback. I think they're going to throw the ball enough. Uh, History says that Mike Smart, Mike Marsh throws the ball and quarterbacks produce. If he did it with Kitna and produced this top six season with Kitna, I think a top five season with Keller could be in order. Things have to go right. The offensive line has to gel. It can happen. Will it happen? Only time will tell. Definitely a bold call and definitely a reason to wait on your quarterback in September. Mike Santos, Coyote Streakers, thank you for joining Red Burst and Blue. Thanks, guys. And he broke down the Bears, Mike. You can't really ask for any more information about the Chicago Bears than what Mike just gave us. The Matt Forte situation is really interesting to me because I'm just I'm looking forward to seeing how many targets he gets in the reception game. He had 72 targets last year in a non-Mike Marks offense. We know what Marks brings to the table. This guy could get 90 or 100 targets, Mike, in, in, a, in an offense with Mike Marks. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the value that Forte presents. 
Yeah, exactly, Scott. But uh, if they can't run the ball, I'm, I'm telling you, it, they got to be able to have some kind of semblance of run. Run the ball, at least get, you know, four or five yards every once in a while. If they can't do that, then uh, I, I think they're up against it, especially against the defenses of Minnesota and Green Bay. Well, and we got to hope that that offensive line improves. You've got they brought in Mike Tice, the former uh, former head coach, Mike Tice, to come in and, and coach that offensive line and, and help them out. So we'll we'll see what they're able to accomplish. But but you know, and, and don't discount on fourth day. Be careful. Nineteen goal line carries, only two touchdowns, Mike. It was the worst in the NFL by far of any starting running back. So. Let's go ahead and move on to our next affiliate out of Indianapolis, Indiana, home of the Colts, Jonathan Wright, uh, one of the charter board members on the Fantasy Players Association and the People's League champion in 2009, a very respected fantasy league. John, we're looking at the Indianapolis Colts, and you've got a situation where Anthony Gonzalez is lost for the season in week one, um, and then you know in comes Garcon. Does Anthony Gonzalez lose his job due to an injury? It usually doesn't happen. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Scott and Mike. It's uh, good to be on the show. Hey, John. Uh, I, I, my hunch is that Gonzalez will, will be given the opportunity to compete, and that's why I'm not real comfortable with Garcon's you know, current ADP. You're taking a big risk there. And, uh I, you know, I think he'll be given a shot. You're talking about a, a guy that was a rising star and has got a first-round pedigree, and uh, that you know, it's risky. Yeah, Garcon. It looks like he's being drafted right around uh, five-seven in draft right now. I mean, you're going to have to take him. You're in the Sims, Walker, Macklin, Hines, Ward discussion, uh, so you you feel like he should uh, pass up on that. I mean, because Absolutely. he's got great potential as a number two. Uh, yeah, well, I, I would absolutely pass on him because you've got a lot of downside there with Gonzalez and with Colley and with Dallas Clark. and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, just, uh, you know, a die with 50 balls out of the backfield. I mean, yes, Manning is going to throw 600 times, almost, but uh, mm-hmm. a lot of downside there. And I think Garcon could easily be a flash in the pan. I mean, he made some mistakes last year that only us diehards that watched every snap uh, – picked up on because let's face it Manning usually puts it exactly where it has to be and uh you know he can he can make a lot of mediocre receivers look really good so I think Garcon's a yeah. big risk guys and Mike I know you want I know you've got a question for John but I did find this funny uh Garcon was also one of two wide receivers the other being Roddy White to lead his team in penalties I mean that that speaks more to the discipline uh that I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, he was he, getting flagged three times for offensive pass interference, twice for false starts, twice for holding, once for unsportsmanlike conduct, and once for an illegal step. <laughs> That's where it's at. And Manning hates that. I mean, he absolutely hates it. You, you know, and and uh, he he's going to penalize his wide receivers for making mistakes like that and killing drives. Well, and everybody says, John, that Garcon is the number two wide receiver, but I think in Peyton's mind, he's not looking to recreate the Wayne-Harrison combination like he had. I just want you to comment on that. I, I, I see him with all these other weapons, and he, he makes sure that Wayne gets his balls. He makes sure that Dallas gets his balls, but at the end of the day, he's going to spread it out through the rest of the guys. Uh, I think so. I mean, Dallas is um, – 
Dallas is quite possibly a bigger part of the offense now than he was. Dallas Clark isn't than he was when uh, Harrison and Wayne were the, the big one-two punch. Um, so you got Dallas Clark taking maybe some of the number two wide receivers' balls away. Um, so, but there still could be a lot of relevance in whoever's the the third target. Um, and you don't know actually if Gonzalez, if he does start, will he take? He might go in the slot ahead of Collie because. As low as I might be on Garcon, that's really based on his current ADP. Um, okay. I'm really pretty low on Kali as well. But at least Kali you don't have to spend a big pick on. Um, yeah. But I really could see Gonzalez going in the slot instead of Kali, and Kali being the odd man out, and Garcon still getting plenty of action. I'm afraid, like you are, John, one, one second, Mike, I want to finish this Garcon point before you get to yours. Garcon leads the team in bombs. He led the team in deep bombs with 20, okay? So he is the deep bomb guy on the team. But as, as good as he is with the deep ball, uh, he's third in targets, right? But he's a distant fourth uh, on, on the team in short route targets. So that tells you he's not really involved in moving the chains. He, he, is, uh, a, he is Peyton's big play guy, and so I'm a little worried. When I can get a guy like Sims Walker... Heinz Ward or Macklin, who I know is going to be heavily involved in moving the chains, I'm a little in a, in a PPR league. That's pretty important. Those guys will be a lot more predictable, and um, you know the defenses. Now that they've seen enough film on Garcon, maybe they'll figure him out a little bit. He won't get behind him as much. Well, I'm going to say this, John. Uh, first off, uh, you know I'm going to propose the same question that I did uh, to uh, Sean uh, from Miami. Uh, the running game, is there enough running game to open that up? I mean, I know Peyton Manning, he can open up anytime, whenever he wants, but let's face it, a lot of these defenses, they're catching on. They're catching on to uh, uh, to the fact that you're going to throw, uh, you know, 320, 330 times a game. But, uh, you know, the running, guy, the running game, it kind of keeps it honest. Uh, is yeah. a guy good enough to do it? A die is good enough to do it. The offensive line is is getting considerably older. Uh, Polian, as much as he is a draft genius, he hasn't done a real good job of drafting you know great offensive linemen. He's just drafted serviceable offensive linemen, and so the running game is going to continue to to suffer. But Manning cannot be held back by that. He is too rare of a talent. He always finds you know. The mistakes, you know, yes, the deck, the deck is definitely stacked against him because of the poor running game and the poor offensive line play, but it just doesn't matter with Manning. It makes no difference. So Manning is going to get his. The receivers are going to get theirs. Adai is going to get his just because of the offense. I mean, look at the ADP of Adai. I mean, you're talking about running back 24? Mm, I, mean, yeah. that, I mean, that's r- ridiculous. He, uh, you know, he's a top 10 running back each three of his four years, and the, the, the year he wasn't, he wasn't healthy. And that's, listen, that's while he averaged 3.8 yards a carry last year. So, yeah, mm. offensive line is bad, running game is bad, a die catches 50 balls. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean. Big plays. It's big, pl- it's big plays all around for Indy, and, uh, you know, and Peyton makes that happen uh, with the entire offense. Yeah, and, you know, a die has done that while having an RB2 that is as good as Donald Brown. And I think it was 2006, um, you know, he was a top ten fantasy running back with 
Dominic Rhodes in the backfield with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, Donald Brown, it was not the expected season for Donald Brown. Donald Brown was the rookie coming in to really supplant the veteran who was always getting dinged up there that, in that prior year. And all of a sudden, the tables get turned. Donald Brown is the injured player. A guy plays with passion. And the roles are reversed. They neither one, like you said, with the offensive line issues. I mean, 3.6 and 3.8 yards per carry, respectively. Uh, it, it's nothing to be, uh, it's nothing to, you know, to get excited about. But the, the work that they get in the backfield is what's most interesting. And, and, and worst case scenario, this is a 50-50 split for a guy, and so that's still 180, 200 carries for for a guy who's going to get a lot of work in the reception game, going to get his touchdowns. Uh, but the question really for fantasy players, John, is where do you take him? Right now, like you said, he's, he's going 4-6 or so, middle of the 4th. You can get Felix Jones there. You can get Jonathan Stewart. I, I'm, just, I'm just wondering if, if you if – you, uh, if, if, does this come down to a, more of a field? Do you want to go conservative? Do you want to strike it big? How do you see that? Well, I'd rather have well, – maybe we go one by one. I'd rather have a die than Felix Jones. Uh Who's the other guy you mentioned? Jonathan Stewart. Jonathan Stewart, no, no. Jonathan Stewart's a stud. Moreno's a stud. I'd probably rather have a die than Forte uh, because of Chester Taylor. I'm a little more concerned about Chester Taylor than, say, Donald Brown. Mm-hmm. But um, honestly, there, there's a lot of hype for Javid Best. I'd rather have a die than Best. Uh, maybe even Jamal Charles. I mean, you got. He's consistently catching 50 balls, and in a PPR league, obviously, this is where this discussion is relevant. In a PPR league, you got a guy that late that's going to catch 50 balls. I mean, 3.8 yards to carry isn't going to hurt you any. I'm a little concerned about right now. Last year. Uh, I don't know if he can repeat the touchdowns, but well, you know, this has been uh, this has been a lot of fun. What I've heard uh, between uh, Mike and you is uh, Forte or uh, a die. That would be that'd be a very interesting contest there, uh, Scott. You know, just to run between uh, John and uh, Sean about Forte and uh... yeah, I'll, I'll take the Colts offense uh, over the Bears. You know, any day of the week. Mike Chappelle of the Indianapolis Star, John said he'd be su- he'd be surprised if Joe Adai is a Indianapolis Colt next year. Um, usually, when we see that 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 that. That leads to a big season, a player wanting to prove himself to go out and get a contract. At that point, where could we, we might see him on the Patriots. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, Pauline doesn't keep running backs long. I mean, he let Falk go. He let Edge go. Um, you know, they're just not worth paying for in this day and age. They break down so quickly. So that's one of the, that's one of the things I like about Pauline. You know, he ships them out, you know. He's all business. He was only twenty. He's still he's he's only twenty seven years old. I mean, he's not like he's a thirty year old back here, and he's a great receiver. I mean, he had sixty targets last year. So, I really like what a dime brings to the table. The rest of the team, I mean, you know, unless you're in a draft master league, very difficult to draft an Austin Collie or an Anthony Gonzalez because you just never know when Peyton's going to decide. He just throws. He takes what the defense gives you, right? So it's not like he's going to make his, his name, you know, like maybe a Kevin Cobb needs to throw to Deshaun and Macklin really to, to make his name, you know, and throw to his weapons that he knows he has. Peyton has Wayne, he has Clark, and then he uses all the other guys, depending on who's open, he's going to hit them. He sees every one of them, all plays, all the time, 
So you never really know how things are going to shake out there, which is, I mean, I'm right there with you. I, I, I don't have the confidence that uh, I, I love the talent of Garcon. I think he's going to need to be able to break through that, that, that elite wide receiver status. He's going to need to wait on Reggie Wayne to really be out of the picture. And, and what, what for dynasty players, John, does that happen? Was he got a couple years yeah. left? That's about that's it, right? A, that's a, you know, that's an excellent point about Reggie Wayne. I would be concerned in a dynasty league. I would be, you know, getting ready to move him out because Marvin Harrison had eight great seasons, and then he just fell off. Now, Reggie Wayne might not be involved in any, you know, shootings or murders in a bar, hopefully. But, I mean, he fell off. He, he In 2006, he had 19 fantasy points a game. 2007, before his injury, he was only averaging 10 fantasy points a game. So he goes from 19 in his eighth season to 10. Then he gets injured. He comes back and, and it's 10 fantasy points a game, and then he's done. Okay, now what, you, what a lot of people don't realize about Harrison, okay, he's great. But, first of all, Wayne is not as good as Harrison, talent-wise. And second of all, Manning, 99.9% of the time, puts the ball exactly where they are, even if they have no separation. And so... Wayne is not that fast, and when he loses a half a step, I mean, it's over for him. So, you know, if, as long as he's the number one in the Colts offense, fine. You know, he, there's there's so little downside there, right? He's got to be top eight, top ten. But I don't think he's going to be top four or five this year. I think he's a safe pick, so if you want to pick him as wide receiver four, you know, cool. I mean, you know, you know that what you're going to get. But, uh, John Wright from uh, Indianapolis, breaking down our Indianapolis Colts. John, it's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure having you on the show. And I'm just so jealous of Peyton Manning and Colts fans always. I mean, it's just, it's just so sickening to see him operate behind the line when, when, when we've got Mark Sanchez or something like that. It's just, uh, I'm just so, I'm so jealous. Well, we're spoiled, and uh, I hope all the Colts fans appreciate it. Uh, you should just, I mean, we look at opposing quarterbacks, and I just, you know, 20% of their throws are just terrible, and we just don't see that out of our guys. So, and that's even decent quarterbacks. They just miss sometimes, and Manning never misses. Jets are going to get you this year, though. Jets will get you this year. John, thanks for joining Red vs. Blue, buddy. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John. And, Mike, that's some really unconventional talk here. I'm glad we got somebody for, on from Indianapolis that could talk about the Colts. He watches every game, watches every play, studies the games. Uh, like an Indianapolis fan should. And we've also got Wayne Ellis in the chat room, uh, another big Colts fan uh, of the high-stakes variety, and uh, I'm sure he has a take, too. I, I'd be really interested to hear what he has to say about Garcon not meriting that type of draft spot, Mike, because a lot of people look at Garcon and they say, man, that guy shows classes of brilliance. He's the guy that you should be going after. I mean, and, and maybe the passing of the torch is happening yet again. We saw it with Marvin to Reggie. Now we kind of saw Reggie to Dallas, really Dallas guy to own there, and now maybe Reggie is, is getting up there, and, and maybe now it's time for Garcon. Well, there's no doubt about that, Scott. Uh, Reggie, uh, he's about done, and uh, Garcon could be the could be the guy that it could be done. But uh, you know, I I just I still feel like they have to have some semblance of a running game uh, to to win a to win a Super Bowl. Um, let's face it. We're talking about they want to win a Super Bowl. They want you know to accumulate stats. Uh, 
you know, that's going to be great in what we're talking about. But uh, I I don't know if they can win win anything without a anything any semblance of a running game. Yeah, well, and they didn't have much last year. And again, it's good fantasy, but it's not uh, it's not the most uh, impressive running game. But it but it does work in that offense. You know, three point six yards a carry. It's getting the job done. He gets. 3.6, maybe 3.6, you've got seven yards. You need Peyton to pass for three yards. He's definitely going to get that. You know, Mike, I want to move on. Um, the World Championship of Fantasy Football, they uh, they did post the ADPs and, and, and uh, you know, to kind of give people the inside look. I don't know how much I really agree with that, though. I kind of I like to participate in those drafts and, and take advantage of that for that reason, to really establish my ADP. Giving it away like that, I don't – I'm not real high on it. It's their business. They can do what they want, you know, but and it's a valuable tool. But I, that's why I get in those leagues. I want I want to be able to, you know, to see my ADP. But I'll tell you, I'm in, a, I'm in a satellite league for the World Championship right now, and I do this every year, Mike. I get in one of these satellites, and I go ahead and take a quarterback early. I want I want to know if it's this – every year I want to know if it's if, – is this the year I can take a quarterback early and still get away with it? And so I so I – so, again, I'm in this draft. I go ahead and, and take my quarterback early. I go ahead and take uh, Aaron Rodgers at uh, 210, okay? And I want to see how that works out because this is the year, Mike. Romo, Peyton, Breeze, Rodgers, Brady, those guys are elite. And six or seven guys in the league are going to have an elite quarterback starting on you. And if you don't have one, and throw Matt Schaub in that discussion too. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six guys right there. If you don't have one, you might be getting 30 put on you where you, while your quarterback is getting you 15, 18, you know, because you're trying to play matchups and play Flacco or maybe Ryan or, or maybe it's Kyle. You just never know what those guys are going to do. So I wanted to see what that lineup happens. And here's the lineup, Mike. I just, I, I'm really short that man in that second round. When you look at your roster, you're like, man, it would look so much better if I could have one of those guys that, you know, I drafted, I gave up. I mean, at 210, you're giving up somebody along the lines of Deshaun Jackson or Marquez Colston or, you know, a, a Beanie Wells even if you if you like him that much or a Sean Green, you know, maybe maybe a Dallas Clark. You're giving up a very high-skill position guy. Mike, do you see, I mean, the value in that? Uh, or, or would you rather take your chances with a Donovan McNabb late in the draft or a Jay Cutler? No, I, I'll go. I'll Honestly, I'll go a little bit later on than uh, – than to do that, I mean, there's no chance of uh, taking any kind of risk at, at all in, uh, in in doing what you're talking about. I mean, that, that's just that's just me. Yeah. Well, I, I try to pull it off every year, and 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 I come away saying, nope, nope, I can't do it. I can't pull pull on a quarterback this early. And you know, I might change my mind here. I don't see my mind. Unless, if I, if I can find a sleeper, somebody that nobody's on. And then the preseason, they're still quiet. See, that's the thing. Once we get into September, these are drafts here in July. When we get into September, we see preseason games. People are on, though, and you see a couple of big runs busted here, left and right. Those sleepers that you might have had are no longer sleepers, right? They are, you know, public enemy number one. Everybody can grab these guys. And, and, and so, you know, if, as, long as, you, as long as you have a sleeper or two or three lined up, you can take a chance on a quarterback like that, but you better be right about your you better be right about your sleeper. It better be Sidney Rice, it better be Sims Walker, it better be somebody that really defies the odds here because you're giving up on one heck of a player and you're gonna be behind the eight ball. So Mike, I wanna break down this other news real quick. Wes Welker, 
Uh, one of the reporters there in the Boston area thinks that Wes Welker will not start the season on the pup. Now, that's big news. If this guy can survive that type of injury and start this season or at least come around, his ADP right now might get 5-2. That's way too high for me. 5-2 for on a Wes Welker when he may not be at full strength. What do you think about the, the Wes Welker-Julian Edelman strategy? Well, you know what? I, I want to stay away from it. I, I, there's too many other wide receivers out there uh, in that uh, scenario. Uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, uh, Tom Brady right now. Uh, as, as crazy as it sounds, I'm not. Uh, you know, had the uh, day drinkers decisions that I voted on, and I'm not a big fan of uh, Tom Brady right now. Uh, and Edelman, uh, Edelman, I'm sure he'll work fine, but uh, – I'm not a big fan of either one of them. So uh, I can't, uh, you know, Wes Welker, Edelman, I can't can't go either way on that. Yeah, he's 5'2". That means you would have to pass up on a Sins Walker and a Garcon and a Heinz Ward and a Macklin in order to get your hands on a Wes Welker, and I'm not sure I have the guts to do that. Edelman, by the way, is being drafted at pick 79, 7'7". So a couple of rounds later, you could take a Welker and then back him up with an Edelman. But what happens if Welker is playing – and they go ahead and play him, but he's only playing at like 70% of what Welker is. That's the worst situation where he's out there just kind of running routes decoy-wise. You would be in a nightmare situation not knowing whether you should start Wes Welker every week. Yeah. I mean, really, I, you know, it's an opportunity. There's a, They've got a lot of weapons there for uh, New England, a lot of weapons to do it. And, uh, you know, it, it just depends on – what you want to go with? Uh, do you want to go ahead and draft those kind of guys at a earlier uh, slot than what you would normally do? I don't know. Personally, me, I stay away from them. I stay away from New England. I've said that three, four years ago uh, with Belichick because the way he spreads around is uh, points. I want to, I want to yeah. rely on somebody else that I can, uh, you know, know it's going to be there week after week after week. I want to ask my crew here in the chat room at Red vs. Blue. We affectionately call the uh, the chat room here Red vs. Blue the crew, and, and they're in here. They're going overtime with us tonight. I, I want to know from them, uh, you know, would, would they take – who's going to be that guy? Who's going to be that guy that takes a, takes a guy like a Vincent Jackson where he's suspended right now for, for four games and, and he's not signed? And then you've got a Santonio Holmes who's suspended for how many games? Uh, another four or six? Four. Yeah, four, another four games. And yep. at least he's signed, but he's on a run-first team. So are you going to be that guy, Mike? Are, and you in a chat room, are any of you going to be that guy that takes Vincent Jackson or takes Antonio Holmes? And, and who do you like there, Mike? You've got Vincent Jackson with Rivers, but is he going to be with Rivers? And you got Antonio Holmes with – I mean, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a mess. Those are guys you stay away from, or do you go after them if the price is right? Well – you have to, in my opinion, you have to look at uh, what's happened in the past. Uh, how many times have players, you know, held out or, uh, you know, had different contract issues or things like that? Uh, I go back, uh, like I said earlier in the show, Crabtree. Michael Crabtree ended up being just fine. These guys, they're they're game ready. They're game ready. So when, when their number is called, when the holdout happens or – or when there's some kind of uh, issues uh, off the field, they're going to be ready. They're going to be ready when they hit the field. 
Well, look, I'm in a satellite league right now. Vincent Jackson still went 47. I mean, that's pick, that's pick uh, 411. He still went in the fourth round before Dwayne Bowe, you know, who has a great uh, schedule this year for wide receivers. Who went before Simmons Walker. I mean, went before all these running backs. I mean, you're taking Vincent Jackson, who's going to be gone. You're telling me he's that much better? I, I just don't see how he's that much better. And then Santonio Holmes. I mean, you know, this is the guy that continues to fall. His stock is, I mean, you might as well call it, you know, just the bare bottom. Well, well, hold on now. Point, that's the 11th round. Much better than Antonio Holmes. Yeah, but we're talking about the 11th round on Antonio Holmes versus the 4th round for Vincent Jackson. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he's, that, no, he's, no, no, that should be more like a 6th, uh, 7th round. For Vincent Jackson. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know if I would. I don't even know if I would take him there. I mean, I, that's where you're really getting your quarterback. You're backing him up. Uh, you're you're taking a flyer on a on a running back there or something like that. I, I still don't know if I if I have the stomach to do it. So we've got a lot of great things going on. We we've got the pros versus Joe's draft coming up, and we're going to be announcing those draft slots next week with Darren Armani on the show live. Uh, I'm going to have a conversation with him, but we talked about it, we, and we feel like that's going to go down live on Red versus Blue next week. The Pros versus Joe's Challenge is a fantastic time. Uh, Mike, I know you're involved. You were invited to play, and I've been invited to play uh, as a representative of the Fantasy Players Association. We're going to be giving away an authentic charter member board jersey, uh, Mike, for the FPA for any single Joe, any Joe who can beat, uh, beat the Fantasy Players Association, beat our team, uh, my team in the in the Pros versus Joe Challenge. They'll win a jersey. So I could be giving up to six of these things if I finish dead last behind all the Joes. Uh, the, the, those jerseys are on sale right now. Those things take about six to eight weeks to arrive. Uh, you can get those at Fantasy um, or at uh, MoxieJersey.com. It takes about six to eight weeks to arrive. You still have about a week left if you want to get it in time for Vegas to be representing the FPA colors. Uh, we, we appreciate that support. We don't make a dime on that, but we we love to see your support out there for the FPA. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, Scott. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of your pros uh, like yourself, and uh, so many that have offered up uh, many different things in the pros versus Joe's challenge. And uh, there, there's a lot of us Joes. When I look through the list, and I'm going, you know, we can get, we can get them guys. So uh, we're coming after you, Bub. Look, I want to thank everybody in the chat room tonight. 7.2, been here since the beginning. Azuri, Billy Waz, Donnie Terminiello, uh, Cocktails and Dream, Chad Schroeder is in the, in, the, in the house tonight. Dr. Experto is in the house. Garbage Points, uh, Gridiron Irishman, K.O. Crew, Sports Betting Man, Lance, good luck on the, on the, the new lifestyle there, buddy. Taz, Spanish Taz. Quick. Yep. Real quick, I want to say it's Chad, not Greg. It's Chad. Hi, Chad. You didn't. Uh, if, if you missed the show last week, we had uh, we had a, a fantastic time with Mike coming on. He was about uh, three sheets to the wind, and uh, four. We did, did. Did we pull out the buzzer meter? I, I don't remember. Glenn Schroeder was our guest last oh, week. Did. Glenn Schroeder was our guest last week, and we had a fantastic time with Glenn and uh, Mike. I think you called him three or four different names during the show. So, <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Scott. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, we're 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 gonna we're gonna roll out tonight, guys. Thank you for joining Red versus Blue. We'll be back next week again, regular start time, 11 p.m. Eastern. 
Uh, we'll be back with all the high-stake news we can get our hands on, guys. Thanks again for joining Red vs. Blue, and uh, we'll see you next week.
time people loved you unconditionally Toast in the new south This one is for history Then I slipped, fell, and caused a numbers injury Called the same people and it's Yo, you just listen, B This the formula Damn it, Bubba, you had it Why'd you have to keep it polo and new balance? Then they start to question whether you were true talent Or just a redneck substance abuse addict So they knew how to wait just to try to find your way And now they're back to calling you 200 times a day I want all y'all to know, good or bad, I'll remember it at 10 million sold in the name of my deliverance Stop. And gave it to the poor Only to discover that your savior is manure Accepting me as kin Put before your younger brother They put a lie on us Hardly knowing one another I honestly can say that Over time I've come to love you Now we are brothers And together none can touch us It haunts me with regret I never met your baby girl She's an angel on your shoulder Helping us to save the world This musical marriage Is no coincidence So my mama tell me Baby we shall have to live a rent So we say
I've accepted every challenge and risen to all occasions. A country boy that got him shook like Randy Moss and Jason. Perhaps over the numerals don't fit in y'all's equation. If your opinions coincide with that, you ought to save them. Cause the quote, the greatest southern rapper, fuck it, period. Negative spirits, they only keep you down a myriad of Satan substances. And my system still my wisdom is never once compromised. That's between God and I, never once forgotten my manners. Cause my mama played in public housing over like a Alabama. But she had a different plan for me and Russ and Ginger. Thank the Lord for sending matches, pop, they must remember how you held it down when them other clowns disappeared. Taught me how to take the scope, shoot and leave with the deer. Then made me drink the blood to show me life is precious. And muddy road from nowhere to somewhere, here's my direction. Six fish sticks on the plate A writing Santa Claus I guess he got the list too late Or to catch the fish You bait the hook With little Dylan's poo-poo On Mr. Allen's property He catch you He will shoot you Let these cats amuse you With comical depictions But where I'm from Being broke's no honorable affliction Love some Jimmy Carter But we never even voted But slum is still slum So you best believe we told it Every firearm from AKs The 3030s And from live rocks to livestock They pay the early murders, thus we work the land like you work the block with Yayo. But I choose keys over cattle, cause the profit's way more. Might get locked away though, peddling the snow cones. So we keep it simplified with acres of that homegrown. Thus to find a shine that you can find inside of Memphis. From east nowhere to west somewhere, still the grind is endless. Down to this, one last chance to advance beyond the second round of the big dance. All my plans of being viewed as something special, more than just the other ones, will vanish in the vapors of the place the South has suffered from. The world's weight plus a ton resting on my shoulders. But what detractors see my curses, blessings of a holder. Cause Eminem's incredible, but did I really have to say this? For y'all to leave my soul at rest and add me to your playlist. But this time I may just leave and clear that hurdle, man. Cause it's gonna be a million more. Who knows if they'll be worth a damn. But okay, I surely am. With that silky kind of sound. Carson, tell your folks that I'll be early for this time around. Cause I've come too far for my own mistakes to quell me. Cause looking back at self-inflicted wounds and aching ailments. Just nothing they can tell me. Get me somewhere in a hurry. If I'm nowhere, let that nowhere be nowhere near a worry. Okie dokie.